silver lining, and this is a small silver lining, but the only silver lining is we got to hear Wolf Blitzer say this all day. Asshole, 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 Oh, what an asshole. It's... So that's cable news where you clearly can say it. It's just you're, trying to, you're just trying to decide what your audience wants. On NBC Evening News, which is broadcast, so they do have to actually have some FCC concerns, Lester Holt on NBC News did say it with a warning ahead of time. Wow. ABC and CBS did not. Filthy, th- filthy <clears throat> Lester Holt. I thought it was interesting on the, on the, the newspapers, <clears throat> some newspapers like the New York Times said expletive in the headline, but then printed it in the story. Some newspapers wouldn't even print it in the story. Mm -hmm. Some put it in their uh, alert that you got in the middle of the day. Thank you, Oppo. Donald Trump calls countries assholes. Washington Post did that. But others said used expletive. It's interesting journalistic decisions. Thinking that we're not grown up enough to be able to handle it. We'll fall to our knees in the street. Oh, my God! The Wall Street Journal just said asshole. I've never heard such language. (laughs) Tim Carney is the commentary editor for the Washington Examiner. He is also the author of a number of fine books about government corruption and the need for limited government. And uh, we'd like to think he's a friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show. He joins us now. Tim Carney, how are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me in this asshole of a show. Yeah, hey. <laughs> yeah. Better than you have said that. Um, so, what happened, Tim? <laughs> We don't know what happened. We weren't there. Uh, we have a third-hand story, and in fact, I've been told that he said S-house and not S-hole to oh, describe these countries. That's S- actually better. That's more entertaining. He's S-house. Yeah. It's weirder. It's a weirder thing to say, so it's more trumpet. <laughs> yeah, right? it is. Like, I, I, what a spit house. Yeah. A what? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, interesting. But so, listen, <laughs> we understand you tweeted about it, and then oh, things okay, went nuts. Yeah. What, ha- what happened with that? So, I was arguing um, that I, with on, over text message with a, a, a Trump supporter, and I was saying, look, you know, this is a dumb thing to say. And my argument was that the people from poor countries with bad conditions who come to the U.S. actually tend to be disproportionately sort of high value from any measure. They're more educated than people, than immigrants, green card recipients, visa recipients, um, for all, or, or for the native-born. The, the, the visa and immig- if you were just to uh, look at poorer countries, the people who are getting visas from there are going to actually have a higher level of education, which makes right. sense when you think about it because it's sort of a harder place to get out of. You have to be extra motivated. You have to uh, – it's harder to get an education, so you're going to be smarter, blah, blah, blah. And we're talking about lawful immigration here. Yeah, okay. but then the the Trump supporters said, well, I don't think Trump was talking about that. I think he was just talking about kind of refugee types, and it was in the context of this program called uh, Temporary Protected Status, which was supposed to be temporary 20 years ago, and that specifically is Haiti, El Salvador, Yemen, Sudan, South Sudan, a handful of other countries. And I said, well, that was the original reporting, but we haven't really seen anything corroborate that third-hand report. So then I go to Twitter to say, hey, do we know the exact context in which Trump made this comment about the poop hole countries? Or poop house countries, right? Poop house countries, yes. And, oh boy, 
I, I got a barrage of, why are you defending Trump? Does it matter? All that. And I realized at first it was just random Twitter people, but then I realized from my past experience that pretty soon I was going to have, you know, Vox.com editors and Salon.com chief political correspondents um, coming after me and waving my tweet around and sticking their mobs of, of resistors on me for defending Trump, when in fact I was trying to figure out what, in fact, is the most apt way to criticize this Trump comment? Right, and, right, indeed. You know, it's it's interesting, isn't it, Tim, to observe that the the national lust right now is not for money and it is not for sex. It's for an opportunity to be outraged. People yeah. want that more than anything. Yeah, no, that's I, think I want that's exactly sex more right. than I want that. Well, you're a weirdo. The rest of us <laughs> and, want to be angry about something, even if it doesn't affect us in the least. And I took a week off Twitter in the middle of the summer, and when I came back and was trying to figure out how to do it in a way that didn't make me insane, I started looking through the people I followed, and I realized, guys, I followed at least five people just because I said, I bet this person is going to say something wrong and dumb, and I can show the world how wrong and dumb they are. Oh, wow. I was that guy. I, I, it, it was on my subconscious that that was my justification, but when I thought, why do I follow them, I thought, oh, because I know that they tend to make this one really erroneous argument that I can totally demolish with my arsenal of facts. And then I said, i, I got to stop following that person. It's, it's rude to that person. It's bad for my soul, and it's, it's bad for my followers. So I, I try – you just realize how the sort of impersonal aspect of this, plus what's happened in the Trump era with just emotions getting so heightened, how easy it is just to sort of hate everybody. And, and that, you know, I'm a Christian. We're not supposed to do that. You know, it's funny uh, you should mention that in an entirely different context. I was discussing with my 18-year-old daughter how potentially damaging and evil social media is. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the great conversation for America for the next five years or so what social media is doing to us. But that's an aside. We can consider that another day. Tim Carney, commentary editor of the Washington Examiner on the line. Yeah, one of the problems with Trump uh, using that term is, um, so now we're talking about that term and ra- rather than the discussion about the actual policy. And I think he was talking about why do we allow so many people to become refugees from those countries and come into here and we don't know who they are. And based on just that, those people end up on social services more than than well, regular people. So uh, why shouldn't we have a conversation? Other- How many people do we want from these countries? What's a good number? Let's, let's have a vote on it. Well, so there, there's lots of things tied up in this. Again, the, the, if we're talking about Haiti, El Salvador, and a handful of African countries, we're talking about something called temporary protected status, which had to do with um, really bad earthquakes, and people had to come here, and then we said, okay, look, they can't go home, their homes are destroyed, we're going to uh, keep them here. It's basically a special sort of refugee status. And the first word, temporary, obviously doesn't mean anything if after 18 years, um, it's announced that their temporary status is going to be ended in a few months and there's a massive freakout. So we shouldn't have something called temporary protected status, which is, which right. is expected to be uh, permanent. Uh, the other thing is refugees. This is a big issue. It's a deep issue. We, we may have debated it there. I, I happen to think that uh, we have to be very welcoming uh, to refugees, and I understand that this creates a, a balance with, um, with national security and that sort of thing, not because I think refugees are terrorists, but I think that that would be a way that terrorists could sneak in. But on the other hand, 
uh, again, I think we have an obligation to, to take the, the, the stragglers who don't otherwise have a Fine, home. but what's the number? How do, who's deciding what the number ought to be? Are we having a discussion about that? Who's who's making that decision? Yeah, because there are more refugees than we could possibly right. than we could possibly totally take in. Um, and then the complicating the other factor, and the part of the problem here is that neither our press nor our president possesses the ability to distinguish among different topics. Uh, the other one has to do with green cards, a permanent residency that we grant to people who are on their way to becoming citizens. And Trump's critique here is totally correct, that we shouldn't just have this diversity lottery where from various countries random people are chosen and they're, and they're sent in here. Um, that There's more people, at least 400 million people around the world want to live in the United States. We can pick and choose. I'm not saying we just pick and choose you know, uh, just doctors or anything like that, but we can sort of set minimum standards rather than letting it be left up to randomness. I don't think we should pick by what country they come from. But guess what? Our current policy does pick a certain quota per country. I think we should be more blind to what country they come from and pay more attention to, say, education status or marital status. Right. Uh, Immigration serves the country, not the immigrants. I mean, the fact that it's nice for humanity is cool, too, and I'm kind of proud of it. But, yeah, I think we need to restore the idea, like Canada, like virtually every other country on Earth, that immigration is primarily an asset or ought to be an asset to the intaking country. Tim Carney of the uh, Washington Examiner is online. Do you have any hope that we'll get to that conversation and have it like adults? Um, The reason I am not hopeful is because of what I've seen today. Well, yeah, the president and the press. to swear off Twitter. And again, if we have a president who can't distinguish between these various things, it needs to be reminded what his position is. It makes it much harder to have the conversation. You bring up refugees, and immediately it gets slid into immigrants, and you bring up immigrants, and it gets slid into visas. And guess what? Visas are different than immigration. And between refugees, asylum seekers, and uh, temporary protected status, those are legally three different things that fit into a bucket. There's so many aspects to it. It needs to be simplified, but there's so much emotion and confusion caught up with it. I don't. I don't think we're gonna. We're gonna and intentional them. demagoguing too. Let's yeah. not leave where, that out. Where yeah. are you talking about blurring lines? Blur the lines between legal and illegal, and lump it. You know, sure. depending on yes, what yeah. serves you at the time. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's that's exactly right. I would. I would say the, a distinction we need to make, and I think you said it very well. When we're talking about immigration, for the most part, we have to remember it's perfectly fine. It's the right thing to do. It's the only thing our leaders can morally do. Set our immigration rules for what is in the interest of the people who are already here. And that will be... Oh, my God! Get him off the air! We have a racist on the air! We have a racist on the air! American isn't a race! (laughs) (laughs) But I would say... I make a, a separate uh, category for refugees and asylum seekers. Here is a place that I would say that our individual moral obligation to uh, help out people in other countries can't be executed unless our government takes part in. In other words, I think I, I believe that if there's somebody running away from you know a terrorist or a dictator in Syria, that we have obligations to take them in, like literally maybe into my house. But guess what? I can't do that if the government won't let them in. So I think that a refugee program is a place where we have to actually act 
act as a nation looking out for the good of the others. But that's a small portion of the people who enter the country. The most of them come in here on visas or green cards, which is to say immigration. Those categories need to be directed towards the national interest. And that doesn't mean just what the Chamber of Commerce thinks the national right. interest is. Agreed, yeah. Final note on the president's poophole comment. If he was indeed talking about refugees, I mean, somebody needs to point out that's that's where refugees come from. There exactly. are no refugees from Norway because there's nothing to take refuge from. I'm well, so tired of herring. I'm going to America. I mean, what are you taking refuge from? But anyway, like you say, there are there are multiple different categories with multiple standards and needs and, and morals and blah, 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 blah. But we have a media that can't even differentiate between lawful and unlawful well, and, immigration. And let's just start with there has to be a number on this stuff. You can't just you can't just say we'll take in every dr- downtrodden person. You hit us with whatever that number is. How many people would like to come to well, this country? And, and give me ten minutes to talk to the other six and a half billion, and and I'll bet yeah. I can get half of them to say, "Wow, you got all that stuff in America," and they'll yeah, want to no, come. The, the, po- the poll I saw was four hundred million who today would move to America if they were given access. Wow. <laughs> I wow. bet you got another billion or two who would, who would do it in the next two years, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim Carney is the commentary editor of the Washington Examiner. Tim, it's always a pleasure. Let's talk again soon. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thanks, brother. And Bye-bye. it is amazing that we, that that the conversation we just had can't be had in a, in a, in a meeting room in Washington, D.C., and they come up with something. Now, the president saying... S House, which I really enjoy even more than S All. Uh, does it house? Does it help? Uh, but neither does some of the other crap that the other people throw around without using expletives, where they blur the lines on legal and illegal and all that stuff. Right. That doesn't help anything either. No, they're demagoguing. Please. So frustrating. Let's let's not pretend that you don't. You, you shouldn't put a number on this. How many people can you? Take into your country per year from from s whole countries. You and your numbers. What about compassion, Mister Numbers? Huh? Dang. Our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. Four one five two nine five KFTC. We haven't done the most stressful jobs. We've got to hit you with that at some point. Among other things, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So he didn't say S Storm, he said S House. Not S Hole. Or S what? S Hole, yeah, not S Hole, S House. I'm sorry, I'm looking at CBS early show. Let's say Spit Hole, because S Hole sounds like ass leap, which. Is just a collection of sounds, and everybody would be fine. But <laughs> the CBS Early Show has S Storm oh, as their over headline the, uh, over the S Hole, the Spit Hole, or the Spit House. Right. Why are we letting brick? Why are we letting so many people in from these S House countries? Is what he said, according to the like latest. That makes reports. a difference. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I think it's more colorful. Yeah. Uh, so there are monkeys carrying death herpes in Florida. Okay. That's pretty much the next step for Florida. Could have gotten that in what? 
Two guesses? Probably one. Probably <laughs> yeah. first guess, right? Name a state where they have monkeys carrying death herp. Florida? Wah, damn it. Let me finish exactly. the question. And social justice warriors on the march. Absolutely hilarious. We'll try to get to that. What do you think about quarter to eight? I think it's fine. All right. Super. Um, <laughs> I was just looking at this. I got distracted by this uh, opinion piece in USA Today. Why today's college kids love socialism? pretty interesting because they're stupid hints don't blame their professors a third of americans and as many as 44 percent of millennials would prefer to live under a socialist system than a capitalist one and i thought who did that study according to a survey by the victims of communism memorial foundation Mm. now say they would have an interest in making the number as high as possible to warn people because uh, they were victims of so. communism. Well, I don't assume that they're uh, that that scores with other numbers I've heard. Really, on that, that high? Yeah. 40, Absolutely, forty-four yes. percent of a millennials would prefer socialism. Yeah, because they're they're unrealistic. They're children. They don't understand how insidious a system it is. Mm. Anyway, they go through a whole bunch of different uh, stats and studies that uh, show that. Kids are not going in with a certain political belief and coming out with a different one, so they don't think it's the the professors that are that are having the effect. Um, the, the author of this book, Free Range Kids, believes that um, overprotected lives, their entire life, is leading them to that conclusion. That could be a factor, sure. Then they get to college and go from their parents wanting to take care of them, looking for the the college to take care of them and protect them from any offenses or mm-hmm. dangers or anything like that, right? And then when you leave college, you head out into the real world, and there are offenses and dangers everywhere, and you wonder why nobody's protecting you, and you want more government to do it, I guess. That makes perfect sense. I would also point out that there's plenty of utopian nonsense being preached in uh, elementary schools and high schools as well. So you don't need to wait to get to the professor to get that sort of thing. But yeah, I think that, that explanation's pretty solid. Mm. We've, Among- we've gone from a society that, that reveres independence, strength, and toughness to a society that reveres victimhood and, and, and prizes groupthink and that sort of thing. It's an evolution. Well, it's a devolution. Most stressful jobs. We told you the least stressful jobs include jeweler, audiologist, and hairstylist. Um, you want it a little shorter? All right. <laughs> I'm not stressing about it. Yeah, it's cool. Most stressful, I'll give you number one's a good one, enlisted military personnel. Oh, my God, yeah. And then, But you, you'd sign on to that on purpose, you know, because you want, you want the excitement, right? Right. And serve your country and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think there are stresses connected to it that they don't tell you about when they're recruiting oh, you, Oh, yeah, I should get my brother in the studio. He'd go yeah. on about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, number two is firefighter, obviously. Airline pilot, police officer, that sort of stuff. But here's number five that I found so hilarious. Event coordinator. Oh, yeah? Right behind, you're fighting uh, ISIS, you're a firefighter, you're a police officer, event coordinator. I used to do that, and it is hellish. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Ballroom C is supposed to have U-shaped seating. It's got straight rows. Get in there. (laughs) Oh, my God. It never ends. Wow. There's a lavalier mic in ballroom B. It's supposed to be a stand-up mic. Make it happen. (laughs) Wow. Oh, yeah. Wrong color cray paper, that sort of thing. Oh, please. What's coming up in your news, Marsha Phillips? Why, it's really on. Senator confirms President Trump described various nations as asshole countries flying in the face of the president's Twitter denial. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Mm, Awesome. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. 
sir. Well, I'll read this text we just got. Donald Trump's asshole comments are dreadful. I've spoken to many immigrants who are so angry about those comments that they'd said they'd leave America and go back to their native countries if they weren't such assholes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a twist at the end. <laughs> I get it. Let's say spithole. I like that better. All right. Asshole sounds like you know the other thing we're not supposed to say. Yeah, Although there is a national show that says it pretty regular. I don't, I don't feel any need to. Okay. If I could have one obscenity, it'd be bullass. I would say that. It's a very useful word. It's good to have a list of obscenities you wish you could say. <laughs> I've got it in order. <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, one of the senators in yesterday's Oval Office meeting on immigration is confirming reports that President Trump used vulgar language to describe Haiti, El Salvador, and African countries. Sen- Accurately, by the way. Senator Dick Durbin said he witnessed President Trump describing those nations as asshole countries. The president tweets this morning, though, he denying the use of that language, said he didn't use that language, used harsh language. But Durbin says otherwise. To no surprise, the president started tweeting this morning, denying that he used those words. It is not true. He said these hate-filled things, and he said them repeatedly. Says a man who, with every utterance of his name, offends women. Dick Durbin. So it's misogynist. But it seems like there's two things here. I mean, are, are you saying the president of the United States shouldn't say that? Okay, that's one argument. I would agree. Probably shouldn't. Right. Um, although it was behind closed doors, but there's no such thing as that anymore. Or are you saying that you're a hate-filled person if you say that sort of thing? Because I'm telling you, you people say that about cities in America and countries around the world all the time. And then you chuckle. You, d- don't tell me you don't. Well, Dick Durbin declared it was racist. Covering El Salvador and South Sudan, I guess, somehow. The race of darker people, I guess. Um, but that's that's some good demagoguing. That's some good spin. It was certainly stupid. But he was making, in his usual ham-handed, dumb way, the point that, look, immigration ought to be the best and brightest who want to come to America. Yeah. Not the not the most uh, you know downtrodden, necessarily, but... I thought Tim Carney said it beautifully. Between the president's difficulty with subtleties and the press's complete lack of interest in the subtleties, we're doomed. In another tweet this morning, the president also had insisted he never said anything derogatory about Haitians. Trump tweeting, never said anything derogatory about Haiti other than it's obviously a very poor and troubled country. I love Haitians. Haiti, meanwhile, says it's deeply shocked and outraged by Trump's reported vulgar remark on immigration, calling it racist. And the top U.S. diplomat in Haiti has now been summoned to meet with the Haitian president to explain Trump's remarks. Imagine if you were an event coordinator in Haiti, how stressful your life would be. Oh, please. (laughs) Sounds difficult. (laughs) Meanwhile, President Trump is scrapping plans to visit London. He had a tweet last night. He said he canceled the uh, trip because he doesn't want to cut the ribbon at the new U.S. embassy. His reason was he's not a big fan of the Obama administration selling the embassy for what he says it ca- he called peanuts and building a new embassy for $1.2 billion. Well, it was the Bush administration yes, that sold was. the embassy. Yes, yeah. it was. Trump, Other than that. Trump announcing his decision last night after the British newspapers reported the trip was canceled because of fears about mass protests against Donald Trump in London. Got a lot of people shocked by the sudden closure of dozens of Sam's Club stores around the country. The move came shortly after Walmart said it was going to raise its hourly minimum wage for workers and give out bonuses of up to $1,000. The public and a lot of workers didn't know the closures until they showed up at the stores. You know why I'm a Costco person? 
There's a Costco closer to my house than a Sam's Club. Uh-huh, if there right. were a Sam's Club closer to my house, I'd be a Sam's Club person. And I probably would have never been to a Costco. The parking is slightly less insane at the Sam's Club than the Costco. So we go to the Costco more, or the Sam's Club That's more. That's how I've made my decisions yeah. so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. British singer and songwriter Seal slamming Oprah Winfrey on social media this week. Just days after that Golden Globe Award speech, Seal's accusing Winfrey of being part of the Hollywood sexual assault problem for decades. Winfrey, uh, Winfrey rather, asserted that for too long, women were ignored if they tried to speak up about their abuse, but ended her speech by saying, not anymore. In his fire- A new day is on the horizon! <sighs> In his fiery Instagram post, the singer republished a pair of photos showing Oprah and her close friendship with disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. The paired photos overlaid with text in all caps that read, When you have been part of the problem for decades, but suddenly they all think you are the solution. Now, apparently, there's been an update to this give and take. Yeah, it, it seals come out and say, oh, no, people are twisting my words, and something, something made a YouTube post where he's describing it, and I don't care because the last thing you did that mattered was in 1992 when you made Kiss from a Rose. Oh, and so, that's, that's hard. Right. That's oh, hard. Right. Then he eats oh. a herring and jumps back in the water. <laughs> and goes back to shaving with a rock. Oprah herself, <laughs> Oprah herself has not responded to Seal's accusations. Mm. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Here I'm starting so, show, the voice of the that West. That is day five of having an Oprah story every single day. Week yeah. one in the books. Yeah, week one is in the books. Yes. I'm wondering how long it will last. Well, I predicted Monday will be Oprah free unless somebody forces it. That you, will you, of, think you, th- you don't you don't think it will or- Oprah will, will organically be in the news come Monday? All right, I think it'll just kind of drift away for a while. Mm, I That's don't my know. prediction. I, I could be a topic of all the Sunday talk shows, and there'll be some uh, commentary from that. Seth MacFarlane also made a comment about Oprah, but he didn't do it in the voice of uh, Stewie the baby, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> do it like Stewie, Seth, and I'll listen. Having a little talk show, are you? <laughs> um, so, uh, trading one celebrity for another, are we? Hmm? <laughs> Social justice warriors on the march, unintentionally hilarious as always. Stay with us. Plus some real wisdom from a listener. The tone of voice you gave there is dramatic. You've made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Thank you. I'm going to stay tuned for that. That's what I was going for. And who is this Logan Paul character who got in trouble for his Suicide Forest video? If you don't know about it, it's a big deal for some people. Plus, monkeys with death herpes. Oh, jeez. You're listening to The Armstrong (laughs) and Getty Show. new target hacking wise the olympics russia as you probably know russia has been banned from the winter olympics next month because they give their athletes performance enhancing drugs and apparently a group of hackers linked to the russian government have been releasing emails that were stolen from the international olympic committee to punish them they've been publishing their emails the hackers call themselves fancy bears which uh, incidentally happens to be the name of an upscale gay bar i'm opening next month <laughs> It's uh, what's the chance the Olympics come and go as just a sporting event with amateur athletes and no more there on the border with North Korea and South Korea and everything going on. 
I hope that's what happens. I think so. Yeah. I think it probably will. Okay. Well, the Kim Jong-un, who um, who was it? Was it uh, somebody of weight saluted him essentially yesterday, said he won this round. He's got his nukes. He's got his missiles. He's not only not crazy, he's mature, he's smart, he's devious, and he got her done. What do you mean he won this round? That might be the only round to win. Right. So more on that to come. May have won the whole enchilada. So uh, pardon me, mixing nationalities. That was a little racist. Because everything's racist. So, listen, we mentioned this very briefly yesterday. I want to relate to you a conversation going on around the latest round of quote-unquote women's marches in which the Pensacola, Florida women's march. Oh, Pensacola, of course, in the same state with the uh, monkeys that are are, are spitting death herpes, literally. Uh, More on that to come. But they are banning the meow hats that were so popular at the original women's march because... They are seen as a-transphobic because they ignore transgender women who don't have vajayjays. And they are also racist because they assume that all vajayjays are uh, pinkish, um, which is really getting to get into a crazyville. Uh, the group considers that has to be racist because they assume that blah, blah, blah. That is uh, white-focused and Eurocentric. Therefore, we ask that the marchgoers refrain from wearing this hat and instead pick an alternative headwear that focuses on collective women's liberation for all women, transgender women, multinational women, disabled women, queer women, the most marginalized. I don't know what that hat would look like, but I hope it would cover your ears because it's cold. Uh, To disavow the struggle that trans people face is a slap in the face of every person who supports the movement for equality. Um, I'm heartbroken for our trans and queer community. We're having to see this vile stuff that's being spewed right now. F your pussy hats. Meow. Hats, sorry. Um, and then some gal responds, um, this is totally ridiculous. The hats were a direct protest of Donald Trump's grab them by the meow comment. Don't read more into it. The response, oh, somebody else said, sometimes a knitted hat is just a knitted hat. The response, sometimes liberal white chicks are just liberal, racist, transphobic white chicks. Oh, you know, a symbol for resisting a sexist and predatory president. I wonder why women who do have meows can't express this at a women's march, says the white chick. You can stop virtue signaling. I will tell you, social justice warriors, you're playing a game that can never be won. It's like a game where home base changes constantly. You must remain in front of the vicious buzzsaw of political correctness, or you two will be sawn in half. It's Good luck. Like that new thing we were talking about yesterday, where not committing a microaggression is an aggression. That's right. Because you're avoiding the conversation right. about trans or race or gender or whatever by not... Uh, saying anything that would cause a problem. Exactly. There is nothing more offensive than trying not to offend. You racists. And we talked about how in college debate, the idea of facts and research to back up your arguments are now being pushed out in favor of people's personal experiences and their emotional pleas to the judges. And we talked about how that was ridiculous and frightening, and the idea of whipping up a mob and that being the right answer is precisely why so many, uh, for instance, black people were wrongly convicted in America for decades, nay, centuries. Nobody wants that. You don't want that. Nobody should want that. It's a horrifying notion. Anyway, Mike writes... I heard you guys talking about this. I uh, want to send out a comparison. might make you feel a little better. It didn't, but I'll read it anyway. 
It's called the serialism movement in the world of music academia. A certain composer, Arnold Schoenberg, had a big head and decided that all the music had already been explored and needed to be reinvented. So he ripped it apart, decided to compose music on randomizing ordering concepts instead of things like melody and harmony. Mm. The academic music world embraced this immediately, not because it sounded good. It sounded awful, truly awful, but because it was a fad and they wanted to be on top of the fad. This went on for probably 50 years, creating generations of composers that no one remembers, who wrote music that almost no one listens to, who couldn't even identify their own compositions when they heard them, and could only survive in the sheltered world of their academic institutions because no one in the real world wanted to hear their music or pay for it. There are a few notable exceptions, of course. Uh, Some people thrive even in the darkest of times, blah, blah, blah. But on the whole, my analysis is correct. It was a bad idea with a bad result. And the good news is it has almost been completely abandoned as the music world has come to its senses and remembered that good music should be enjoyable to listen to. But it's an incredible lesson that should never be forgotten. A perfect example to prove that university professors are no smarter than the rest of us. Well, I disagree, but I'll jump ahead. Well, they're just as likely to jump on a terrible idea simply because it's a trending fad. But in the end, logic and reason will prevail or we become like animals again. Love the show. Cheers, Mike. I'll just I will tell you this ideology and the desire to be in is such a powerful force. It regularly trumps intelligence or it makes people shut off their logic because their logic is screaming at them. telling people not to wear those hats is ridiculous. Trans women are fine. They know what junk they have, and they're fine with... No, forget it. That is crushed by the rush to to conform to the ideology. Thank you for the note, Mike. Interesting. So, I don't know who we should talk to about this. I don't do the Facebook. You do much Facebooking, Sean? Uh, In personal life or for the show? In real life. Uh, Minimal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know who will ask about this, but so there's major changes going on at Facebook, and I just wondered how they're playing out in real life. Uh, revamping the whole Facebook thing for a variety of reasons have been in the news a lot in the last year, but they're trying to uh, emphasize somehow more meaningful interaction right. among Facebook's two billion users and get less. This makes you want to kill yourself stuff for one thing. They want your newsfeed to be more about your family and friends and less about sponsored content and media companies and stuff like that. I would like to know what that looks like in real world terms for people who Facebook a lot. Well, critics say, Jack, it will increase the phenomenon of a bubble society where we only hear from people we agree with and like. Um that may have always been kind of true anyway in humankind, so I'm not sure that that's a disaster. Uh, no. But um, whatever it is about Facebook, and as we've learned in recent weeks, the f- the people who invented Facebook were worried about what it would do to kids and are well aware that it's making people depressed and want to kill themselves. Right. Um, I don't. I, I just wonder if it's going to uh, help that any. Mm. Uh, that's, that's, they're stating that's part of the goal is by focusing on... The, the posts from your friends, the people you have actively selected to be a part of your Facebook kind of group or whatever. As opposed to people who are just hating on you? Or just random media posts about Donald Trump that you may or may not do, but because it hits a certain threshold in, in the popularity algorithm, it just starts going into other feeds. Gotcha. Less viral and branded content, more posts shared by friends and family. Well, I think for most people, that's what would make them happy. I, I'm guessing, though. I have no idea. Well, warn your friends and family that 25% of the monkeys in Florida are carrying death herpes. It is not deadly to the monkeys. It just gives them cold sores, but is literally deadly to human beings. 
You can pet the monkeys. You can even handle their poo. But do not French kiss a Floridian monkey or you may be killed. Between 4 and 14% of the monkeys released their virus, uh, blah, 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 and they had herpes B. How many monkeys are there in Florida? Hell, hell of a lot of them. Millions. Tens of millions. I don't actually I've know. I've never seen a monkey in Florida. I, you haven't looked hard enough. I've seen alligators. I've seen toucans, but I've never seen a, a monkey. Yeah. Low risk you're going to get it, but if you get it, there are going to be very, very high consequences. So Florida's feral rhesus macaque monkeys are native to southern and eastern Asia, Jack, as you know. They're uh, between 1930 and f- 1950, a dozen rhesus macaques were introduced to central Florida Silver Spring State Park, where they multiplied. Uh, last count, there are 175 or so kicking okay. around, spreading death herpes. Okay, that's not a lot of monkeys. Right. You don't want the de- you don't want monkey death herpes, though. Probably. Well, Mac- I'm just assuming. Macaque monkeys. Um, it's a funny name, isn't it? Uh, Sean's are, cringing. Why? Are people Macaque. really are people really eating these? There's obviously poisonous uh, pods for your laundry or dishwasher or whatever. People actually eating those things. Is that an end real thing? It's Darwin brand detergent as far as I'm concerned. And I want to talk about Logan Paul. I think this story is interesting on so many different levels. One of your YouTube stars that either you're really into or you've never heard the name in your life. And, uh, and what happened with him. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.